This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack! Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast on Victory Sunday. That's two in a row where the Bears outlast the Minnesota Vikings in the loser-goes-home match, the true loser-goes-home match, uh, winning 33-27, to which I'm saying like that because I forgot the score and think I, I got it right. Everything's great. Not only is everything great, but I'm joined on the show today. And before we even introduce Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation, I want to say this, Ricky. Um, I've consulted the Karma Gods. This does not count for a losing streak-breaking Ricky appearance on the pod because it was decided after the game. And I think you can absolutely agree that you don't want a streak to end on a loose thing like that. Yeah, no, that's totally fair, but this is the first time we've ever recorded a bears conversation between us where they haven't lost. So even if it comes with the asterisk, Zach, I mean, you got to count your dubs at this point in the season. Uh, and what, what a fucking weird, satisfying sort of win that was for the Bears. I mean, 33-27. I think the last two games have been the most enjoyable Bears games to me, even though this team started 5-1, and one, even though, you know, the stakes of the season at this point, it's kind of like, well, maybe they could backdoor their way into the playoffs. They don't look like they're actually good. How does that sort of benefit or hinder the long-term projection of the franchise? For, you know, take all that stuff off the table. They were just sort of like fun football games to watch each of the last two weeks it's my number one takeaway like i was thinking about what i was complaining about most during you know the 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 lull uh the valley that we that we seem to be climbing our way out of which is i just wanted to watch competitive football and enjoy it on a sunday like my expectations of this team and sort of generally of being a football fan is not to win every damn game it's a parody league all these things happen plays calls flags injuries all that stuff every single week i just wanted to like have a little bit of fun and watch the games and so we will get to complaining it's something i do best i'm sure you're right there with me but just like you said so satisfying to watch you know the up and down juggle of a three-phase game and who's going to come out the winner at the end i had so much fun today yeah really competitive game from the bears 
And, you know, for once, it felt like the offense was picking up the defense. I mean, how many times have we uttered that sentence in our lifetime as Bears fans? Uh, Not very often. And, you know, while the defense did make some big plays late to sort of, I guess, finally lock down the win, uh, the Bears defense broke several times in this game. And I didn't really think it was the type of performance you would expect from what is supposed to be one of the better units in the league. I don't really know if the Bears defense should qualify as such right now after, you know, three of the last four weeks against Green Bay, Detroit. Uh, They were very good against Houston, but then today against Minnesota, I mean, they were getting picked apart at times. But then, man, look at the offense. Like, the offense totally waking up. Uh, We can get more into it, but, like, to me, it was just, like, the version of the offense that, like, you could talk it out and it actually makes sense of, like, okay, how could the Bears' offense possibly be successful? Well, if they are to get Trubisky out of the pocket a lot, run short routes, finally establish a running game, revamp the O-line a little bit. Like, it was just everything. They hit on every little part of it. And it was nice to see a team that was getting picked up by its offense. The nature of football, to like how much momentum carries over week to week and how bad losses look and how good wins are, you're absolutely right. Like this ship, the offensive ship had sprung so many leaks. It was sort of like, where do you even begin? Like, what's the first leak that you want to go to? You say, okay, the O-line is absolute shit. Uh, it's, you know, it was not healthy and the guys that were playing weren't playing well. And I, I don't know what to say about the fact that it's taken 14 weeks to figure this mix out, but it seems to be figured out. It seems to be an effective uh, unit. And then you think about play calling and that huge leak and Bill Lazor uh, has come up with a plan based on the talent on the field and what they are comfortable executing that fits and is complementary and plays are sequential and play off one another. There are no, there are certainly plays that we'll get to that, you know, it didn't work out, but in, in terms of the overall mix and scheme night and day from what we saw earlier this season. And then uh, David Montgomery is a true above average NFL running back. He dominated today and it was a thrill to watch. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the best few games of his career have been the last couple of games. So it's been uh, awesome to see him pop off. Look, he had 103 yards against green Bay against Houston. He had 113 yards today, 146 yards. I think the changes in the offensive line have absolutely benefited him. I think that just the fact that like the, that Bill Lazor has been more committed to establishing the run mm. has helped. And these are the things that you always needed in place, I feel like, for Trubisky to even have a chance to be successful. And yeah, we don't want to complain too much, but it does make you wonder, like, why did it take so long to get the offensive line figured out, to get, like, this sort of play calling with Trubisky in place instead of trying to make him a pocket passer? They finally were running shorter routes, getting him out of the pocket. It just all made sense to me, right? And that's part of the reason I think it felt so satisfying. And then you got to credit, uh, you know, just like every area of the team coming up when they needed to. Special teams was great. We'll talk about Santos. Uh, the defense, while disappointing, you know, still made some big plays when they needed to. And the offense was probably the best unit on the team t- today. So uh, just in general, a really fun game. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, like like up and down the roster, contributions are being made. And look, look the defense, okay, like it's not time to complain about the defense necessarily. but And this will sound like I'm making excuses. Look. Uh, Eddie Goldman is not playing at all this season. Roy Robertson Harris is out for the season. Akeem Hicks, I'd say he looks like he's about 75% of himself out there. Uh, Khalil Mack is, and we need to talk about this a little further. 
crazy nicked up. Knee, back, uh, what's the other one? Shoulder, I believe. Like, he's crazy, crazy nicked up. Robert Quinn is pretty busty, although he did fly, you know, he did make a play finally today. Our long regional nightmare is over. On the second level, you've got Trevathan and Roquan Smith. Roquan's had a really good year. Feel really good about him. Trevathan, solid, you know, issues in coverage. And then on the back end, the Bears were decimated on defense today. You know, like you got Kyle Fuller and Eddie out there, so you feel good about that. But no Jalen Johnson, no Buster Screen. Uh, Duke Shelley went down for a couple plays today. Uh, I mean, it's just like truly big issues in coverage. So, you know, I, I don't give the Bears defense a pass. There's still way too much talent on the field for them to have uh, allowed 27 points to the Vikings in the way that they did. But to your point, they made a couple critical plays when they had to, and that was enough to win the game. Absolutely. Uh, you know, what did you think of Trubisky's performance, Zach? I, I feel like that's like the natural yeah. place to start. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so it literally went from a solid A to a C plus in one play. In one play. I mean, fuck me if I ever had to take a test where one question, it's like, the, okay, he missed the essay portion, right? Like, everything was good on the Scantron. First of all, Mitch, eight runs for 34 yards today. How nice was it to see him scramble on third downs to try to convert? Where the fuck has that been? Totally. I mean, yeah, that's, it's just such a no-brainer, dude, to get him outside of the pocket making plays. Oh. Last year in particular, they really tried to make him a pocket passer on like 85% of the plays they were calling which is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, this just makes sense in terms of how Trubisky could be effective. So credit laser there. I heard some reports just watching the uh, evening news. I don't got much else going on in my life right now, dude. In the <laughs> middle of a pandemic, I'm watching the WGN News at 9 p.m. on Saturday night. And Trubisky's talking about how, like, he's calling off plays he doesn't like. Like, he's just like, ah, I'm not really comfortable with that one. So they're taking it out of the playbook, giving him stuff he's more comfortable with that he's more comfortable with a lot of that happens to be bootlegs rollouts things we've seen him have success with in the past and now there's no like i feel like there's no guys of like we have to try to develop trubisky into a franchise quarterback uh, it's kind of just like the pressure's off dude yep. just go play like are you going to be here next year i mean who knows but it doesn't even matter just like go play for yourself don't even play for the team anymore prove that you're not totally worthless and a complete bust and I think, you know, if nothing else, Trubisky looks like long-term. And this is his floor, I think. He's going to be a decent, pretty good backup, right? And th that's something to be said. Like, he'll probably have a, make a lot of money and have a long-term A, a backup with a starter ceiling, right? I think yeah. that's how, how the league is probably going to look at him. Yeah. And that last throw is so funny, dude. It was yeah. so sobering, wasn't Ugh. it? Because I needed it. I needed it. You're, right? I, you're almost feeling too good about Trubisky yep. at yep. that point. Yep. Uh because the act, I think he had only incompleted five passes the entire game before that point. Like everything was right in his wheelhouse. I feel like Trubisky every single game has like three or four throws where he just throws like throws a YOLO pass into triple coverage. I think he only did that like maybe once this game before the pick. But then like there it was. Right. There like, was there was one other one in the second half where he threw one into like double coverage and Harrison Smith broke on the ball. Yes, and like, I'm th that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had, he had two, but even that one was like, you know, for Trubisky, that's not his worst. It was double covered, but it wasn't as bad. Dude, there were honestly like maybe seven or eight throws. I was like, who, who is this Mitch? And what have you done with the one I knew? Like, like there was a third down conversion on like a third and nine where I was like, man, we're going to have to punt this shit. Like we've blown it on the run blocks on this one. And he completed it to Anthony Miller. I think it was Miller's only catch of the day that was just like spot on perfect. There was another like 
you know, uh, red zone look where, um, you know, Mitch did his like double pump, but never moved his feet. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Here we go. And he threw it outside to Javon Wims, who was just really well covered, but he still managed to put it on the outside where like a diving Wims could have pulled it in. Like that's an Anthony or uh, a uh, Allen Robinson catch almost for sure. For Wims. Yeah. Not so much. Doesn't have the reach unless it's on a jab. So um, I, honestly, like. The other part of Mitch's game that I thought has really grown, and again, this is not a fawning Mitch thing because I'm going to get to this goddamn pick in a second here, but like on his naked bootleg throws previously, like, you know, before Angry Mitch or whatever one we've got now, we've got so many Mitches. Like it used to be Good Rex, Bad Rex. Like Mitch contains multitudes. But <laughs> he, like, when he used to have like a naked boot, he would either hesitate or, you know, maybe look to run and get caught and lose yardage, get sacked, whatever it is. And now he's able to either like throw pitch one over the top to a really good place. Or even in the, the previous game, uh, I saw him pitch one around a defender coming in his face. And like, I feel like he's really gotten better in a short area of time of coming out on the rollout, kind of, you know, turning his head around and seeing a guy running at him and not panicking, actually making a really good play. Yeah. I think that he made a couple throws in this game. I don't have them off the top of my head specifically, but that I was just like, wow, those are like some of the better throws that Trubisky's really had in his career. Yep. Uh, I think they just made things easier on him. And like, the, I feel like the, his like draft stock and just like the sort of the weight of the pick and trading up for him and all that just really did him a disservice because if you actually just, like, look at his skills at face value, I don't think he was ever going to be one of these QBs who's, like, awesome at standing inside the pocket and throwing downfield. I think I, you're making a really good point here overall. Go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. Like, Yeah, and it's just, like, there was, like, pressure on him to be that, like, franchise-level traditional QB just because of, like, the stakes that came with how they acquired him. But now that all of that is sort of broken and then it's generally accepted that, like, He's a bust. It was a horrible draft pick. He'll never live down Mahomes and Watts and whatever. Now you can just look at him and it's like, all right, well, what he is is a scrambling QB. And what he can do is throw accurate short routes. When you have him throw more than 15 yards in the air, it's a goddamn adventure and a half. So just wipe all of the preconceived notions about what a number two pick is supposed to be, what a franchise quarterback is supposed to be. And just let him play to his strengths. And I think, you know, he's a pretty damn good scrambling QB. He did not have a run longer than eight yards in this game, which kind of surprised me. Because it really felt like he was constantly picking up yards in big situations on the ground with his feet. They never let him do that last year. And then uh, in terms of him throwing down the field, it's like, just find Allen Robinson, find Mooney. And hopefully, you know, they can continue to get the tight ends uh more involved, especially Cole Komet in the past game going forward. But, you know, Allen Robinson, 1,027 yards and 86 catches on the season right now. He's 10th in the league in terms of receiving yards. Pretty shocking given how poor the QB play and the O-line play was for the vast majority of the season. Not not only that, but uh, <laughs> David Montgomery is 94 yards from 1,000 rushing on the season. Can you fucking believe that? Wow. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. 
Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month. 73% of job, okay. Uh, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, all right. So th- before I lose the train of thought, you kind of like spawned this overall idea that the Bears, for all their struggles with this regime and kind of this, you know, mini era of the team, has been hamstrung by preconceived notions, right? Where Ryan Pace, his preconceived notion was that he wanted to get the next Drew Brees, and that was going to be Mitch. And that Nagy's preconceived notion was that this is a game about um, advanced passing, pocket passing, and being able to scheme up open players via that uh, and having a good good pass blocking, having a very like specific and rigid hold of what uh, NFL offense was going to look like in 2018, 2019, 2020. And the reality is that Ryan Pace was blinded by that notion and he didn't see Deshaun Watson or, or Patrick Mahomes. Mitch Trubisky, uh, <laughs> he's a running quarterback, just like you said. And the preconceived notion that he was going to be a developmental quarterback that becomes a pocket passing next Drew Brees shows that they didn't see the way the NFL was moving. And then the preconceived notion that the way we play is not just about winning. It's about development. It's about advancement. It's about building on the weeks that happened prior. Whereas like, I think one of the hallmarks of Bill Belichick his entire career is no matter what guys he has, he's going to scheme up a way to win the football game and whatever the fuck that takes. If we have to run 60 times and pass once, whatever it is, it really doesn't matter. It's just about winning a football game. And I think the bears missed that. They've missed it all the way along the way. And it feels like out of desperation now, it's almost like garbage time. All these ideas we had for what we were going to do during the game. Look, we're down to the last two minutes of the game. What can we do that works? And on a macro level, that's what the Bears feel like to me. And, you know, also like Trubisky just sort of has a... Obviously, he's not very good still, I don't think. And I think the last interception sort of crystallized that, despite the fact that he played a really strong game before that. But he just sort of has, like, a unique skill set for a QB. Like, if Matt Nagy was coaching Lamar Jackson, would he try to make him a pocket passer the way that they tried to make Trubisky a pocket passer last year? Like, the way Lamar Jackson won the MVP was by designing a scheme that fits the strengths of Lamar Jackson. And I kind of think Trubisky, while not – he's obviously not as dynamic as Lamar Jackson. Like, I do think that he's a similar QB in that 
you can't really fit him into the box of a traditional quarterback because those aren't his strengths. So I guess this is just a long way of saying, of course it makes sense to roll Trubisky out of the pocket. Of course it makes sense to not have him hang in there and try to throw downfield. Of course it makes sense to get quick crossing routes, slant routes, get the ball out, uh, and to emphasize the running game. And, you know, when you look at how the play calling has been divided up over the last, what, two years, year and a half. Dude, how many times were we doing this podcast last year where we were like, well, they ran seven fucking times. It's like, dude, if your quarterback is Mitch Trubisky, you can't run seven times. You have to emphasize the running game, lean on the running game, and that doesn't just start with the play calling. I also think it starts with, like, the type of offensive lineman you target, the type of blocking schemes the offensive line is running. Like, you just need to play a more, like, uh, tailored approach to your talent, right? There was no way Trubisky was ever going to be good being a pocket passer on 90% of the plays. They always had to have a strong running game complement to him, and maybe it's the offensive line shuffle, their new center. Did you pronounce his last name Mustafer? Sam Mustafer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's getting a lot of credit after this game. Everyone's like, wow, this guy's awesome. White hair moving to guard seems much mm-hmm. better. So, mm-hmm. you know... I don't actually know that much about football. I don't know what the exact alignment is, but just emphasizing the running game, this is a no-fucking-brainer when you got Mitch Trubisky as your QB. He's not going to be a franchise QB. That's fine. You at least got to try to win the damn game. And I feel like they're finally they are just focusing on, all right, let's just win the damn game. And, and I think you point to the O-line, and I think we need to highlight none of this shit, none of the play-calling mix works if the line can't block. And, and so, you know, Look, David Montgomery is 32 for a buck 46. Even if you take away Mitch's, you know, scrambles for 35 yards, which you shouldn't. And, you know, one, by the way, one carry for Cordero Patterson. That was it. How great is that? I think he got nicked up, which is why. But nevertheless, good. Um, You know, Bears ran for 200 yards today. It's 42 rushes for 200 yards. And if they're getting that negative play one yard here one yard there that they were getting for nine weeks this season it doesn't really the mix doesn't work so i think first and foremost when you're talking about how how they've been able to plug the leaks the offensive line is first and it seems as though and you have to always be careful i would love to hear outside scouts and coaches opinion on this but juan castillo has said that sam mustafer is a starting center in the league um he's he's said it in his press conference twice now uh i to the point that it feels like the Bears believe that Mustafer might actually be a player going forward. And so it begs the question of it's actually an incredibly good development for them because if Eddie's on a one year deal as the right guard, now right tackle, um, if you get James Daniels back, then it's just a question of like, you know, who are these guys? Where are you going to slot these three interior linemen? It seems like Mustafer is a natural center and that's where he should be. But if you get a UDFA guy to take over and be your starting center going forward, that is gold, found gold. So let's slow down a little bit and see what happens going forward. But for them to find that and then to get Rashard Coward out of the damn starting lineup, who's just a subpar at best replacement player, um, and to have, you know, uh, Effetti and Alex Bars working in there now, you've really, look, they've stabilized the position and having that stability allows them to work on all these other aspects, whether it's the the um, offensive mix with Mitch, Mitch having time to throw, David Montgomery not running for his life in the backfield. All this stuff, you know, matters together. But um, look, I, I, it's hard for me to do, but I have to give the coaching staff credit for making the adjustments they've made, for Negi for letting his ego go finally and realizing he had to change what he thought offensive football needed to look like. 
and the Bears are uh, look they're officially hashtag in the hunt. Yeah, I mean seven and seven. Uh, I wish we could go play a clip of the uh, of the predictions we gave when we were running down the schedule a couple weeks ago. But did either of us have this as a win? Like, uh, I don't. Yes, I had. It's kind of surprising to me that they won this game. Like, especially after oh. the long losing streak. I guess they just own the Vikings, but, you know, that, we saw Yeah, that's them. where I've landed on this. They own them. But they played, like, shit against the Vikings in Week 10. They lose 19-13. to 13. That was the game where Foles gets hurt, I think. Uh, uh, I want to say yes, but, like, even that game, they lost it, but it was there. Like, it was because the Bears were completely incompetent for and sure. couldn't do anything overall. Like, I mean, nothing, nothing. They couldn't do anything. It wasn't even competitive. But, like... The way the Vikings came out, the way Kirk Cousins looked, the way the way the game started, you know, started uh, being played, I was like, "This is there for the taking." Like it's still the same Vikings, whereas in this game they did what they did uh, at the end of 2018 when they had nothing to play for, and the Vikings were win and you're in, and at on the road the Bears absolutely shoved it down the Vikings' throat and sent them home for the off season. So there's something about the Mike Zimmer led. Vikings and the Matt Nagy led Bears, where at least in terms of the offensive line and running the football, the Bears seem to have their number. Um, and obviously, a lot of personnel shifts and coaching shifts along the way. But in a short sample size, that's sort of how it feels. Yeah, man. Uh, I honestly feel like I agree. Well, I agree with everything you said about maybe Nagy learning some humility and giving the play calling duties to Laser. But I just thought the run pass mix was just like so much better than it had been. Like ending this game with 199 rushing yards and 42 carries and Montgomery yeah. going for 146, two touchdowns. This was just like what it always should have looked like to me. So, uh, well, you know, we wanted to get off the bus running. Remember when we talked about that, about this being satisfying? It's like we just wanted to go back to Bears things. Like I wanted Lovey Ball. Where let's get off the bus, let's run it, let's play defense, and so, you know, the defense ha- it, 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 that hasn't really worked out for us in the last few weeks, but let's see if they can get healthy. And uh, look, I was really worried about the Jacksonville game. I'm not, I don't feel great about it now because anything's possible still. But my concern was that the Bears couldn't score 14 points, and so it didn't matter if they were a much better team than the Jaguars. If right. Gardner Minshew wriggles around and gets two touchdowns, shit was over. Whereas now I feel like. The Bears offense can pull their weight and uh, they have an opportunity to play a complete enough football game to beat an inferior roster. I feel like that's a much more, um, I don't know, a a much safer bet than it was just 10 days ago. Yeah. And can I say that, uh, you know, when we when I was on this podcast a couple weeks ago, I said that uh, David Montgomery is, quote, mid. I'm upgrading David Montgomery to dank (laughs) because, dude, have you ever seen Montgomery run the ball with more purpose than he has the last couple weeks? Like, he looks legitimately awesome. This is the guy I thought they were getting when we started to hear the post-draft hype. That player has finally arrived. He was he does not get brought down by the first tackler. I think that uh, he has just a pretty good combination of like north-south running with some shiftiness. He's definitely not a home run hitter. Today he had 146 yards. His long was only 19, but it was just like consistently hitting the hole hard, turning everything into a shorter yardage situation by just like gaining four or five yards every time he touched the ball. It was so satisfying to see the Bears legitimately be a power-running team with Montgomery as your RB1. Montgomery has taken a step 
It's not hyperbole. It's not, you know, week in, week out podcast speak. It's very clear. When he came in as a rookie, he looked like a rookie in terms of his size, in terms of his physicality uh, and the way that, you know, other players reacted to being hit by him. And then he had this like tendency to stop in the hole and try to like juke before he could get the one and a half yards that were there and then start juking. He was always doing it early. To your point, he hits the hole hard now and he's a physical presence. Like I, I do remember saying not that many pods ago that the Bears needed to bring in a complimentary back in the offseason that could be a thumper. David Montgomery was thumping. I mean, they still need to bring in a more depth this offseason, whether it be, you know, late in the draft or a cheap free agent or something like that. But Cordero Patterson can't be the number two running back. But David Montgomery's a player, and he needs to be a focal point of this offense going forward, not just the rest of this year, but uh, next season as well. He's a player. Yeah, I think that he looks immediately better. And it just uh, it just looks like, like you know, before it was like they – probably have to upgrade on running back. And now I'm like, actually, like, all you really needed to do was shuffle around the offensive line, make that not look terrible, emphasize the running game as part of the play calling, and Montgomery looks legit, you know? Like, after these last couple games, I don't think that they need to acquire an RB1 going into next year. I do agree they need to acquire an RB2. But Montgomery was, like, disappointing to the point where it was like, are they really going to go into next year with him as like the main guy with no competition, with no young guy pushing him. Now I feel just so much better about him and about the running game. And, uh, you know, it, it would be nicer to have a big play compliment to him because while he did have what, like an 80 yard touchdown run to start off last week's game, I don't think you're going to be getting that a lot with him. Uh, because he doesn't really have breakaway speed. But just as a guy who can consistently get you five yards of carry, I mean, there's so much value in that. I I think my my perception of what the national discourse on Montgomery was, you know, let's say four weeks ago, five weeks ago, was more of pity than it was of him being not that good. It wasn't that, oh, my God, this is a star in the making, if only, you know, the Bears could, like, figure out what to do with him. It was more like he doesn't have a shot to even show you what he's got. Like, he's just running for his life in the backfield every single play. And that's the part where I'm like, mm, you know, um, yeah, he had his own part to play in that too. But say what you will, he's got some windows to run right now. And then there's the part about, you know, the opponents that, that have been and played here so this new Mitch offense angry Mitch or you know uh, rebirth Mitch or zombie Mitch or whatever the hell this is you know we got to figure that out but it's the Lions it's yeah. the Texans and now it's the Vikings and I'll say this uh, if you spend a little time on DVOA the Vikings are actually middle of the pack they're your average NFL team in terms of DVOA they're right there in the middle I thought they were a lot further down but they've played a lot better uh, than they did the first six weeks of the season when they were getting uh, their asses kicked. The wait is finally over. Football is back. I mean, it's been back for a while, but now it's extra back. You might not be at a game this year, although you might. They just keep rolling them in there every week. There seems to be 2,000 more people sneaking in. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Sorry, tangent. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. 
You can be like me, where you bet a four-team teaser and feel awesome about it and win the first three games, and then unknowingly, Aaron Rodgers shits the bed against the Buccaneers, and your teaser dies again, and you live to play another day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And so at this point, I, my dad asked me today, he's like, you know, all right, you know, are you back in? I was like, fuck no, fuck no. I, I'm not, I'm not back in, you know, if my girlfriend, you know, keys my car three times, but apologizes each time. And then we have a really nice dinner. I don't think I've turned the corner. I still, I'm just waiting for the next time my car gets keyed. So no, but, uh, I will say that if the bears can beat Jacksonville next week and they can beat the Packers on the last game of the season, to get to a ninth win and punch a ticket to the playoffs. We got to totally think about what happens this off season. I do not envy the McCaskies. I, I, This is so hard because you don't want to make decisions based on garbage time, right? Like the Bears are, it's not garbage time. Like they could still come back and win this game, so to speak, but right there at the edge. And you have to think in terms of the long-term structure, Pace shouldn't be in the business of selecting the next quarterback or the next player. Mitch shouldn't have a contract going in the next year. I think they're going to be wildly over the cap and so many guys on the defense, you know, need to go. Nagy, yes, they've made this shift, but he, he had to fire himself from play calling to make it happen. Uh, how much credit does he deserve for all this? And is he the steward of, you know, your offensive football team going forward? Like all those questions are so difficult because I mean, I'm just not going to be fooled by this, Ricky. I'm not like just because they look goodish, good. Okay. Good for two and a half weeks now does not mean that I have to come off of fire the fuck everybody and start from scratch literally three weeks ago. So I I don't know. Am I weird? Like, how do you feel? Yeah. Great question. So, you know, a lot of this is still going to depend on the last two games of the year. If they somehow, they got to take care of business against the Jaguars and you were just listing off all the shit teams they've played. Well, the Jaguars are next and they're awful. So awful. Got to beat the Jags. That should be a gimme. No brainer. I really want to see the defense flex in that one, right? Like, Hopefully the offense can still be pretty good, but like the defense should just shut their ass down. If the defense, I, I want is, a no doubt like a seventeen point, you know, run it down their throats, long drives. I, just make that one where I don't have to worry about their ability to win the game. And then the Packers. I mean, you got to think that they're gonna probably lose as they always do against the Packers. But the Packers might not have anything to play for, which could make that game interesting. Uh, but generally, I still think it's in the best interest of the team for Pace, Nagy, and Trubisky to be gone and for you to just blow it up, restart it, let someone else build it. Because the issue has always been, like, where is the ceiling with this team? And, like, even if they have their best possible scenario from all three phases of the game, I don't think that their ceiling is that high. And so I think running it back another year would just sort of be like, you know, it would just sort of be an excuse going through the motions of like what we already know. Like, yeah, maybe they could win nine games if they get lucky and, uh, you know, things break right for them. But in general, what you want, I think, is ceiling. And you want, uh, it's like, you know, when you get a job, you don't want to be in a job where it's a dead-end job. You want some upward mobility. So to me, this Bears team still sort of feels like a dead-end job. But uh, obviously that Green Bay game could potentially 
change some things. And, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. They still have to take care of business against Jacksonville, then the Packers. And if they win those two games, would you say they're likely to be in? Arizona needs to lose a game. Is that correct? I'm not Steve Kornacki here with the playoff no, odds. Yeah, but. well, you know, who amongst us is a Steve Kornacki? But, like, uh, Arizona needs to lose, yes. But then there's also the possibility of the Bucks. Look, it's still not, you know, if other teams win out, that's it. The Bears don't control their playoff fate. But and we need to like look at the schedules here really quickly to see what those teams that are in competition um, look like. But Cards got Philly right now as we record. Then they got the Niners and at the Rams. So as of right now, Ooh, the, Rams the Cardinals are up twenty six to twenty with the ball in the second quarter, seventeen seconds from halftime. Yep, I'm, I'm watching the red zone as we do all this. So you know, Philadelphia, they got they got the two. You know. Maybe Jalen Hurts. It, they've already made a comeback you know, in some respects. So that's possible there. Um, I think the Rams' last game of the season is really going to be big because that's the NFC West. Like, that game will matter. That's going to be divisional. That's that's the whole bit. Like, there's a lot to play for there. And the Rams, I think, are a better overall football team than the Cardinals are. So there's that. And then the Buccaneers won today, but it feels like, you know, they got the, the – uh, the conspiracy theories are already abound because they didn't get a fourth down conversion run and the refs gave it to him anyways and ended the game. Uh, it was really, really bizarre, but they don't look like they really are a team that's fully in sync. So there's that possibility. And anyways, like the green Bay Packers are right now at the top of the NFC, which means they're up for the buy. If they win out, which I hate this, I hate that we're, talking about the Green Bay being so good that maybe they suck against us a little more because we don't matter, that would suck. But uh, it is a path to it being able to win that game for the Bears. Now, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, if I'm the Packers, I don't – there's no – we've got the bye. That's cool. We're still going to have Rodgers out there and run it up because uh, it's the Bears. It's like you can't you can't separate that rivalry and just, you know – not have him play it's just hard for me to see that happening i, I am i do you feel any da, different if i were them i would not give two shits about the bear driver they whoop our ass every time we play i know I, but you would you would you you know play the play the twos or what would you do uh i guess you got to see what it all looks like like if they definitely have home field locked yeah in, if they if they have the buy i would say if they definitely have the top seed locked in i mean you probably go with the twos but then, you know, you get two weeks off. It's tough to say. Football is such a violent game that I always err on the side of caution. But It, it, it begs the question of like, all right, we're going to have him play the first half and like, hey, Rodgers, go out there and throw four touchdowns and then we'll take you out in the second half sort of thing. Um, I, it, that's actually going to be really interesting. So for it to be interesting, obviously the Bears have to win next week. We're already setting ourselves up for a, hor a horrific trap game, to, disappointing loss, but all that matters right now is that. And then, look, Arizona, they're in a dogfight every week. That's an incomplete football team. They have issues um, at various you know parts of the roster, defensively, even offensively. So we'll, we'll just have to see. But the Bears need to take care of business and keep doing what they're doing. The defense has to plug some of these leaks. Dudes need to get healthy. And overall, just like, I don't know, I was watching today, like Kirk Cousins, if there is a push on the interior at all, that dude – he just loves to hang on to the ball. Like Robert Quinn got a strip sack today and, you know, big shouts to Robert Quinn. That was like a $12 million sack for you today. Uh, given that it's one of the two things you've done this year, uh, positively on the defense, he got pushed entirely out of play, like uh, out of the play, 10 yards upfield. 
and then had time to loop all the way back around and then time to take a swing at the ball. It was a um, called a coverage sack if you want to, yeah. or just Kirk Cousins patting the ball in the pocket way too long. So look, the sack is the sack. It counts. And like other guys get them like that all the time, but it wasn't like, Oh, Robert Quinn made an amazing play and flashed through in one second. And Kirk didn't have a chance. Wasn't like that. So, um, I don't know, man, the defense has really got to kind of come back to, to making consistently good plays and getting off the field. There was a drive in the, in the third quarter where, um, they give up three straight third down conversions. So you can see like stringing a couple plays together. Good, but just the failure to get it, get off the field on third and long to get a rush, you know, and get out of there. Um, it obviously, it happened when it had to these fourth down stops that were run stops. And then the last one with, uh, urban, you know, chasing cousins all the way down the field so that they couldn't convert on their fourth down at the end of the game. Again, the plays when they had to make them, but just the overall pressure that the defense puts on opposing offenses really feels like a, a night and day difference from what they were at their, um, you know, at the top of their game. Well, the secondary was super depleted in this game, right? Like uh, Dion Bush and Buster Screen both out, I believe. Jalen Johnson out. Is that all correct? That's like, correct, yeah. Se- yeah, so you were starting Kendall Vildor, who I believe is a Lord of the Rings villain at cornerback today. It's like, you know, you need your, you need your top coverage guy. So I'm not going to get too upset about that. I did think that there were times when the pass rush looked really good. I was uh, snooping on someone's timeline, and I saw them say that uh, the NFL statistical revolution leads you to believe that now coverage is more important than pass rush which I thought was sort of an interesting idea because I think the conventional knowledge is that the pass rush is probably more important than the coverage. But either way, uh, I think, like, obviously you need your top cover guys. So when you're missing, you know, a nickelback, two starters in the defensive backfield, which had been a really a real strength of the team, I thought the secondary was really good uh, for most of the year, that hurts. Uh, and then, you know, I think Roquan looked pretty good. Like, do you have any updated Roquan thoughts from the last time I talked to you? He's a, he's a pro bowl player this year. He's one of the best players, one of the best, you know, you know, box linebackers in the league. And I think we're likely to see him make a pro bowl, if not an all pro team. I, I think he's just been that good. Now there are a couple of games there where not so much, but, uh, I think at this point we can safely say that he's, he should be a part of the bears uh, now and going forward, he's a certain candidate for a second contract. He's going to be an eighteen to twenty million dollar a year linebacker. We'll see what happens with the you know the cap going down next year and what that actually looks like. But I think that's the expectation for, is for him to be a core you know part of the Bears' defensive identity for years and years to come. So there's that on the defensive side, like the secondary. Adam Thielen had two catches for eleven yards today, and that's that like Kyle Fuller working in the shadows sort of situation where. Um, Obviously, you know, overall, I think they made it a point to double cover Thielen and not let him blow them up. Uh, and so Justin Jefferson goes for eight for a buck of four and has 11 targets. But overall, like Adam Thielen is a really good football player. And yeah. Kyle Fuller is so consistent and so good and such a good tackler and so physical in space. I- I'm telling you, the Bears are a different football team without him in the lineup. So. I was listening to something the other day, and this is sort of like a wild tangent thought, but like that Brandon Staley, you know, formerly of the Bears, who then went uh, with uh, Vic to to Denver and, you know, and now is the defensive coordinator for the Rams, has sort of like made a Sean McVay-ish revolution uh, on the way that they organized their defense in the way that McVay was doing uh, on offense. And that's predicated on a single 
great pass rusher and a single great coverage back where you can lean on them in that direction so hard that it allows you to do all these other things away from those kind of cornerstones. And so I, I, you know, you have to have a pass rush. We, we watched the bears get shoot up, um, you know, in the second and third quarters of this game, because they just could not get anywhere near cousins. And because of that, you know, Dalvin cook was going to get his, it, for me, it was much more about cousins ability to be effective in the pocket than it was anything else. I, I really just thought, you know, not being able to, you know, pinch him in the pocket at all, not make, being able to make him uncomfortable. Three sacks, you know, 11 hits. Uh, it actually looks like if you look at, the, you know, the sheet that it was actually pretty good. But my my feeling was until it really mattered late, until they really had to have it, which they did do, and credit where credit's due, um, Cousins was able to kind of have way too much success, way too much comfort. Uh, can we talk about Cairo Santos? Let's talk about Cairo. Let's fucking let's give him like the the coda to this whole thing. He needs to get his flowers, man. So he goes four for four today. <laughs> he goes three for three between forty and forty nine yards. Ices the game with two kicks late. On the year, he's twenty one for twenty three. I mean, hot damn! If he's he's the guy, he's man. really good. He's totally he's legit. The he's the guy. And and it's not. Do you see? Ahead. Do you see how big? Nagy's fist pumps are after he hits a shot like they Bro. showed Nagy immediately after he hit those last two kicks in this game and do the Bears even still win this game if they have Cody Parker as their kicker today because you know while we're saying that they played a pretty good game it was fun to watch like you still need to hit two long kicks to win the, and, the Bears the Bears last two drives were field goal drives those are critical points yeah and he bangs it through so uh santos is sick and every time the every time he hits a field goal the camera cuts to Nagy, and he's doing like a tiger woods masters fist pump (laughs) because he just has to feel a huge weight off his shoulders knowing finally i can trust my special teams and that the decisions i made that led up to us having to take a long field goal aren't going to get grilled in the media for the next like hour of my zoom session so i really feel like matt Nagy, you know given that he's got the the pullover bandana on his face can we like get him a bears cowboy hat you know, like, I feel like he should look like the visor is done. We got to move on. And I feel like if you gave him like a Tom Landry hat and, and and he kept that little face cover, like, I just feel like he'd look cool, like a badass outlaw kind of thing. I just, whoever's in charge of those things, can we, can we just get on that? I feel like his look needs to be updated. The 1998 frat guy visor has got to fucking go away as soon as possible. Um, Beyond that, to the point, to the thing that really matters, Cairo Santos is a really good kicker, and he has a history of success in the NFL pre-injury. And that's what leads me to believe that he's all the way back, for one, and two, that this isn't necessarily a flash in the pan that perhaps, you know, um, uh, after a seven-kicker competition... By the way, I'm going to interrupt myself and say, how fucking hilarious is it that the Bears had uh, a world search you know, star search level looking for a field goal kicker competition that was as, almost as bad as the leadership council in terms of optics <laughs> for a franchise. And the, the guy that now is the savior for the field goal kicking position wasn't a part of that in any way, shape or form. He was just a waiver wire pickup. Yeah, seriously. And uh, what a blessing he's been though, man. I, I do um, think that's hilarious though, for sure. <laughs> it's just so very bears anyways yes he's the guy and um i hope the bears you know put put uh pen to paper in this offseason and make sure that he's the guy going forward because now we have this very recent understanding of what it means to be destabilized at that position and the vikings you know uh 
Dan Bailey kicked really well today, but going into this week had the most tenuous kicking situation in the NFL where that dude couldn't hit an extra point. He cost them the game the week before. So just that feeling, that Cody Parkey feeling, who is now the kicker for the Browns, I do believe, um, and has found his way back into the league. Uh, It was such an awful feeling to just know that any time the kicking unit came out, you felt bad about it and that you started to make decisions on offense, going for it when you shouldn't, uh, either punting or going for fourth downs when it was just too risky to do because you didn't count on that. So uh, it's it's what makes the Bears when they have – a good running offense, a good defense, and a solid kicking game, that's a winning Chicago formula. And uh, they, they're two-thirds of the way there right now somehow. So, like, projecting this ahead, I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about from today's game. Let's uh, let's give you the floor, actually. No, no, I, I like that. Let's, let's, mo- let's move on to the big picture. Projecting this ahead, like, you got Jacksonville next week. That's got to be a dub, like we said. That should be not really a, a game where you're sweating. And then Green Bay, which it's too early to even truly discuss that because we don't know, you know, what Green Bay's goal is going to be going into that game. Maybe they just want to keep their starters healthy. But, uh, you know, are you getting suckered into Bears playoff fever? No. No, still no. Okay. I, there's no fever. I, I, there's a, a, a twinge of a cough. There's um, a tickle in my throat. Uh, yeah, no, no, I let's, if they can take care of business next, uh, my playoffs is that green Bay game. They need to obviously win next week. And then I will give a little piece of my heart to this team. If they win against green Bay. And if that gets them into the playoffs, that's one thing, but if they, Oh God, can you imagine if all these other teams win out and the bears win the rest of these games and beat green Bay in the final game of the season, and don't get in the fucking playoffs. What do you do? What do you do in then terms they... of who you bring back and like what you do? It's just, ah, uh, man, it's, this is just the most purgatorious football team of all time. So Arizona, as you said, they have, uh, sorry, I'm just going to look this up as, as we say it again. They have their Philly right now, which is a critical game for the Bears. If Philly can find a way, that would really change the game. Then the 49ers, who have underperformed all year and are in real trouble, but still have talent, still like a really difficult to beat a Kyle Shanahan coach team. And then at LA for the final game of the season. And so what we're talking about here is the NFC West. And, you know, can the NFC, the NFC West is trying to send three fucking teams to the playoffs, which is wild, wild in and of itself. But um, it's Arizona. And then I had the playoff machine up just a second ago. Wish you could update it like in the moment. Uh, and then you have have Tampa Bay who win today. So they go to nine and five. And if, so if Tampa Bay loses out, who does Tampa Bay have left? Uh, I'm not smart enough to know like what happens if both the bears and the, the Buccaneers finish nine and seven. Yeah. They have at Detroit and then versus Falcons. So not great. Yeah, they, and they need to lose both of those. So really, it's about Arizona then, right? Like that's that's sort of it, because L.A. right now is the five seed. They could drop to nine and five today, uh, but they beat the Bears earlier this season. And then you got Green Bay, New Orleans at the top. You got Seattle. They've now cemented themselves into like the third position. They're ten and four. Um, so it'll either be them or L.A. that wins the NFC West. You got the goddamned NFC East where. The Washington football team is 
right now top at six and eight. And then you have, you know, Tampa Bay and Arizona filling out the sixth and seventh seed. It's really just about Arizona at this point, bro. I don't, I don't see Tampa Bay losing to Detroit uh, at all. So that should like sort of, that should set that in place. It's just about Arizona losing one of the next, either today or one of their next two games and the Bears winning out. And failing that, that's that's a wrap on this season. Yeah, get your playoff pictures from either SBNation.com, I gotta be a company man and plug it, or from Kornacki. We're just here to tell you if we're feeling the investment in this Bears playoff chase. I want to, dude. I think I mentioned this on a lot of our other podcasts earlier this year, like, there just haven't been very many playoff games, Bears playoff games in our lifetime. So I would like to see the Bears try to get in, try to make some noise. But, you know, at this point, you really do have to wonder if that would save Nagy and Pace's jobs uh, and would it really be, you know, the be- in the best interest for the long-term future of the franchise. So, when you know, when they lost that... Lions game it was sort of a relief to me as a fan where I was like well now finally they got to fire everyone like you can't bring everyone back after that and now of course they totally. win two in a row against shit teams they're about to play another shit team probably win uh so yeah I mean I don't know we, we, we can discuss that on you know for t- weeks and weeks to come probably because that decision isn't going to be imminent I don't think but uh yeah it's it's definitely in the back of my mind now in terms of like sort of what is the direction of this team the sense i get of it both personally and outwardly is that we're just gonna like play to play uh feel differently about this thing uh until the end of the season and so let's just say for now there is a moratorium on discussion of the hiring firing anything of Nagy and pace I wouldn't put Mitch in that category. If they're not willing to say we're ready to move on from Mitch, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I, I get that he's been playing pretty good. You got to move on from Mitch. Got to. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of Nagy and Pace and what I expect the Bears franchise to do, at the end of the season, we'll just kind of take a look at every single thing that's happened and try to get a big picture of it. I still am of the mind that these aren't the stewards of the franchise going forward, especially Ryan Pace. But I am willing to suspend that for the joy of regular season football that matters. The Bears won a uh, win-or-go-home match against their division rival today on the road. You say what you will about on the road. By the way, tangent, Dallas had 30,000 people in the stadium today. Everybody can get fucked. I've been sitting in my bunkered-up house for nine months now, and people are going to NFL football games. 30,000 people in that stadium. Everybody over there that's part of that decision, get fucked. That's all I have to say about that. In terms of the Bears, I'm thrilled they're playing football that matters. I'm thrilled Ricky can come on here and talk about it. Ricky, anything you want to plug before we bail out of here? Not really. <laughs> Do you want to say fuck you to the people who put 30000 in the house in Dallas, or is that just me that wants to take a, a very strong stance? No, those people can get fucked. And I've been watching some college basketball this year, obviously. And, like, I was watching a Texas Tech game. There was a ton of fans in that stadium. So I don't know what Texas what doing? is doing right now. But, we guys, doing? we're uh, we're really close to the finish line here. Hopefully, if we could get the vaccines, you know, distributed to everyone. So at least my mindset is just – just fucking stay healthy until we're across the finish line. Like people are already getting vaccinated. I don't know about you, but I have a few friends who have already got the vaccine. So it's, are they like frontline workers? They're nurses. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's just like, just, this is not the time to let your guard down. 
I, I the exhaustion is palpable. I participated on on the regular, and um, I, I'm super done with this, which is probably why I'm lashing out at the people of Dallas, Texas. But like seven NBA teams are going to allow some level of fans in an indoor building with circulated air. Why? Why? The other part of this, I I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I don't play one on the internet. I don't participate in that. But I was reading an article yesterday. It's uh I don't know, it was BBC or something like that, that where they're talking about um it's interesting that like in their in the reporting that's going on there, they talk about the mutations of the virus and that the coronavirus has like uh you know the initial strain was like strain S and th- there's now been mutations of strain L and G and like all this kind of stuff. So there's like you know big picture there was one original it mutated and it made like two and then there's like the there's three strains that are really uh rampant in Europe and North America that's different from the ones that are in Asia right now. And I just hadn't had that kind of look at like the regional nature of this virus, how it's been mutating and the good the good part is that the way this vaccine is structured those mutations shouldn't matter but the the fact remains that us spreading it around again and again and again and again and again just allows for more opportunities for this fucking thing to mutate and never go away ever 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 so i understand that this is like the end of it it's a, it's the winter solstice the you know it's 309 and the sun is going down here in portland oregon i'm imagining chicago is slate fucking gray and cold am i right absolutely it was like 40 degrees out today so but now it's dark and miserable yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so all this is kind of culminating almost as in like a poorly scripted show where it's the darkest coldest sickest days of our entire lives and obviously i'm going to lash out at a time like this i just feel like the forging ahead of things for like basketball especially when it comes to unpaid college athletes it super bums me out and whereas like nfl football they've managed a way where all you ever see on the field is the play, never the stands. Basketball stadiums are like predicated on being able to see the seats, right? And so it's just abundantly clear. You're watching the game. You're like, there are there are fans there. There are fans. There are fans right there. And I can't look away from it when it's going on. Yeah. No, I agree. It's uh, It's just like at this point, I just want it to just be over so bad and – I feel like we just have to be disciplined for a little bit more. Little yeah. Bit more time. Sorry to make it bummer COVID talk. Uh, the, the, the COVID shuffle podcast uh, <laughs> brought to you by indeed and bet online. Ricky, uh, bro. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate the chat. It's nice to like enjoy watching bears football win or lose, whatever it is. There's enough going on here to say that like our prayers have been answered and we don't just have to watch like bristling incompetence. Uh, for three straight hours on a Sunday. So I, for one, thrilled I get to say it's, you know, Club Dub Sunday and that the Bears are somehow 7-7 seven and seven, and they are still in the hunt. Let's do it. And two All more right, games to watch with investment. So what more can you ask for? I, I, not, literally nothing. We're getting the, the most we could possibly hope for. So, uh, dude, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to the people who are listening. Uh, stay healthy. Stay happy. And we'll be back here next week to play the Jacksonville Jaguars.
If you have loved ones that rely on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. With Policy Genius, you could save 50% or more by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, Policy Genius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to fast track your coverage with a no exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award winning service has a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, head to policygenius.com today.